Welcome to Don't Hold Back Podcast with your host, Ichiko Batmonk, founder of Don't Hold Back and a professional life and mindset coach. She's sharing transformational coaching journeys. We have thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but we are not our thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Are you curious about exploring and experiencing how you can unleash your full potential and passion? It all starts with you, and you are meant to live the life you desire. The purpose of this podcast is to introduce you to a coaching journey and what is available for you. Hope you get inspired and take action accordingly. Welcome to the show, Merit. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. We're also going to talk about again about really how to overcome the obstacle and challenges during this hard time pandemic, right? So thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so excited to have you, Merit. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And before we also go there, also I want to get to know you also to, to the audience as well. So share with us who are you and really why did you decide to become also a life coach as well? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So I do have a, a story that I'll share with you. Love and, to know. Love all right. To <laughs> Let's go. So I began my career as a performer and a producer and a director in the theater. I was actually a performer all the way growing up as a kid and then got my first, my bachelor's degree in acting and graduated from that program and got out into the world and realized that I really didn't that the industry didn't really fit me or I didn't fit the industry. So I had a mentor invite me to become an arts educator. And so I was using my theater skills to work with young people and help them cultivate their voices and develop who they are and who they want to be and using those theater skills to really imagine big grand lives for themselves. And I love that work. And I began working in schools and with districts and with teachers. And it was really inspiring and, and working with kids who are decided to kind of be at risk, right? There was that term at risk populations. So I then uh, spent a few years being an arts educator and I really enjoyed it. And that developed kind of morphed into more traditional education I was an administrator for a while. I worked in student services. And then um, I was invited to join an organization called the National Federation for Just Communities. And that organization specifically works on anti-bias, anti-oppression, anti-racism work. And so I got to do a lot of programming in that sphere, first with young people, and then that evolved into also working with adults. So uh, corporate lawyers and people in law enforcement, civil servants, elected officials, schools and districts, higher education. And so I got to really land in this interesting spectrum of leadership development through this diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. And that was a really powerful and really, really uh, exciting work. I love that work. In the middle of all of that, I uh, have three children and all three of whom are adopted. And um, so my, my first son is going to be 16 in a month. There's, oh gosh. And, <laughs> and my twins are, they're 11 now. When they were placed with us, my first husband, Peter, and me, they were 13 months and they were high need. They had a lot of stuff going on, physical stuff, developmental stuff going on, challenges. And about a year into that placement, my husband, Peter, was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And so that became definitely the focus of our whole family for, for um, an intense year and change while the kids were still placed with us in foster care. And it became a um, you know, very, very difficult, very challenging situation. 
and we watched him deteriorate it over that year and had some amazing moments with him as well. We actually produced a show that he wrote and um, he performed at, about his treatment as a cancer patient and also as an actor. And so at the end of his life, the night he died, I was sitting on the cold floor of my sister-in-law's kitchen at two in the morning and I got an email from uh, actually an energy healer who we were working with, who was working with him during his treatment. And she sent it to me with the last words he ever wrote. And the email closed with his last six words, which were choose well, choose wisely, choose love. And I didn't know what to think of that for a while because yeah. my life had just completely blown up, right? Yeah. So two weeks later, I finalized the adoption of the twins. And about a year after that, we made a move to down here to the Hudson Valley where I am now in New York State. And I needed to figure out what it meant to choose love, choose well, choose wisely in my life. And so I rebuilt my life with my three children on my own. And I had some projects, which I won't go into right now, but I had some things that I was doing. And I eventually found myself back in the nonprofit world in the arts. And all the while I was uh, dating and I met my now husband, Tom, and he and I decided to join forces. And he actually, we married in about five years ago now, and he adopted all three children. And so we were able to really come together and build a new life for ourselves together as partners. He has his own story of, of I'll say, hitting bottom and then the re redemption. And now we've come together building a brand new life uh, with each other. And so when I, we got to that solid foundation of the family, the five of us being really, you know, having healed and, and rebuilding to a steady place, I was able to ask myself, okay, what does it mean to really choose love in my work? I know having worked in nonprofits my whole career, uh, I didn't want to be a nonprofit myself anymore. <laughs> I was tired. Of, <laughs> I was tired of not making a profit myself, but I knew I needed to do mission driven work, purposeful work. And so I looked back at my whole uh, record, right? I looked back at doing the leadership development, uh, looking at the social justice elements, looking at nonprofit purpose-driven work, and also using my creative skills and abilities and my ability to understand how people work through, through those theater skills, right? They really teach you a lot about how people are motivated and, and what makes them tick. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, what is that? What is that? And it turns out it's coaching. <laughs> so... Uh, I didn't even know that coaching was an industry. It, I was so like far removed from it. But at any rate, I found a great training program. And um, and now I have three professional certifications. And I have been in business for myself a little under two years now. Beautiful. What a story. Oh, my gosh. Thank <laughs> you for sharing with us. That's a yeah, my pleasure. story. Love that. Okay. So now really like, you know, you'll become a life coach and then you're also, a, you know, a consider yourself as a mindset coach. So I kind of like want to dig deep into like really a mindset. Really, yeah. I really want to understand people really about like what is really a mindset and how is it really going to help people also like share with us, like, what do you think that is? Well, mindset is it's pretty simple in some respects in that it's really just a matter of what you think is possible for yourself. And I go back to when I was, um, you know, first widowed and I had all the reasons in the world to think that my life was over at that moment or that, you know, I could never make it again. And certainly I had a lot of support and I, I had some resources and I was very lucky in a lot of ways. So I'm not saying that it was just my mindset that helped me through. And 
if I didn't have the mindset that I could make it through that and that something better was coming, I never would have made it through. And I know that from a very personal experience, right? I also have seen working with people, you know, across my career, the people that I know who are successful, their first step in becoming successful is believing they can be successful. If you don't believe it, it will not happen. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It won't happen. And if you believe it, you know, there's that whole, you know, if shoot for the moon, if, if you don't make it, you land among the stars. Right. If you believe it, you will get somewhere. You will get farther than you think, probably. Yeah. Even if you like kind of aim it high, you know, and at least you go to like at least like half, you know, you you meet halfway through at least, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I love that. It's so true. And and you you know, also I found that that belief is really hard for a lot of people. I think that's like that's when the mindset comes, right? You just gotta yeah. do affirmation and do something for yourself every day. But like, I'm curious to know, like, uh, like really when you were in the struggle during the hard time, basically you had an amazing resources that really helped, helped you, right? And you didn't really focusing on this negativeness, right? Even though the life was really hard time at the time, but like you really like looking for the positive good thing and really trying to get out of there, right? So when you did that, really it's the life flourish. Yeah. 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 And, and I would say too, it's important to know that it's not a perfect process <laughs> because, because I certainly had times where I was, you know, it was less than clean and it was less than hopeful. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say it was all perfect. And I, all I had to do was believe in that, you know, it's, <laughs> it, that's not the way it went. But what did happen was that because I found a, a fundamental switch that I flipped in myself where I just decided that it was going to be okay. I just decided that I was going to find a new partner. I decided that my kids were going to be healthy and well. I decided that I was going to build a business. And it's not all been perfect and all been clean, but it but that decision, yeah, when I when it comes down to the point of, you know, when I feel overwhelmed or when I feel mm -hmm. like I can't make it anymore, I just go back to that one decision where like this is I, I'm I'm just going to keep going. And that's when I work with my clients too. You know, it's, it's all about your values at the end of the day, right? If you, what you believe is possible and what you want for yourself, what kind of life you want for yourself. Yeah. I love that because sometimes, you know, like humans, like we just make a decision and then we forget about it, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm then, not talking about New Year's resolutions here, right? <laughs> and then when the hard time comes, like, you know, they just don't feel like they don't know where they had it, you know? They, they think that their life is like, you know, over, you know, it makes yeah. them feel like that way. And then really what I'm hearing you say is really go back and visit what did you really decide it, right? And yes. really, what is your value? So you have to know your value. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about the perfectionist, you know, I think there are a lot of like perfectionists out there. Yeah. And I love when you just say like, I took like messy action. It was oh, yeah. perfect. So share with us. I love that because like, I think there are a lot of people like literally wait for a long time to be perfect in order to take action. So mm -hmm. it's totally understandable, right? When, when you don't know what to do to, it's, it's very easy. Uh, or I should say it's very, yeah. I mean, it's common to get stuck in the analysis, right? And what if this happens? Or what if I mess up? Or what if I fail? And, and yeah, you're going to fail. <laughs> And that's okay. 
accept okay. that's the reality of the world. I mean. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. So, somewhere along the line, we as a culture decided that it wasn't okay to fail. Huh. And, and, and that's been a real, to the real detriment, I think, to have a lot of, of, of generations because mm. we don't progress unless we fail. Mm, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's very interesting. So like what I'm really hearing you say is like when you fail and it's okay, you just have to tell yourself it's okay. Cause you're yeah. just fine. Right. Yeah. I love that. And forgive yourself for failing, you know, for, and forgive. Sometimes we're easier, more easily forgiving of other people who fail, fail us than we are of ourselves. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's when it comes to like self-love, you know, like loving yourself. I think we are the worst enemy of ourselves. We're so easy to like beat up ourselves all the time, right? Because they really easy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really, so in the moment, you got to do like journaling, forgiving journaling, whatever that mm -hmm. is, right? That's actually what I do. I mean, I like to do it. And now I want to also kind of a little bit talk about like victim mentality a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we also, in other words, we can say like there's a people are, you know, have the scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, I really found it very important, especially like during this hard time. So how do you also differentiate and how do you find yourself where you are in, in, you know, in the moment? Well, that, what you just said is really important about scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. And I want to make sure that I'm really honest about that. And again, I'll say I'm not 100% perfect about the abundance mindset. <laughs> I love it. Hey, yeah. aren't we all in the progress anyway? Oh my like gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, because there are also things that there are circumstances or words or relationships or you know whatever it is, um, that, that kind of set us off into regressing into old ways, old habits, right? So those are sometimes the hardest things because we lose pers perspective of ourselves. Yeah. We start to regress back into old thinking. And then we forget, oh, wait, I have a new way of thinking here. I can actually work my way out of this just by doing a few things. I can maybe journal my way out of it. And um, what you said about, you know, um, being a victim, the victimhood. Yeah. yeah. And, and differentiating between, you know, we all can be victims of something right where something happens to us that that wasn't our fault and exactly the, yeah and, and that's that's not the same thing as victim mentality yeah like what how i look at it is like it seems like sometimes people like me and myself sometimes like we can be a victim to our the circumstances like or yeah. the thoughts that we have like we feeling it's like it seems to be victim right? right so but also like i want to like i want to people like aware like what is really like how do you like what is really a victim you know like how do you really find yourself where you are in your life i think like that's seem to be very important i don't know yeah so i think there's some things that we can identify as what what qualifies victim thinking so there are some patterns that I'm, I would imagine every one of your listeners can identify with at some point in their life, which would be, I'm not good enough, right? Uh, the, world, the world's against me. I feel overwhelmed. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Uh, I'm not smart, pretty, handsome, talented, whatever, enough. Yeah. Right? That is all faulty thinking. <laughs> it's just... It's just a negative behavior or a negative thinking pattern, right? I love that. I love what you just said. It's a faulty thinking because yeah. the, 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 uh, the truth is it's not true. Right. Right. Because right. what I also know or believe is like we are enough. Like mm 
mm-hmm. we're complete like no one no one doesn't have to complete us you know what i mean like that's really what i but i remember myself like i used to be like i'm not good at you know, whatever they started that i used to tell myself but, but because i think like i wasn't even aware because like i know myself before i become a coach I didn't even know what the victim was. Like I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't even aware that I was actually being a victim. You know, like victim to my circumstances or my thoughts. Right. So right. yeah. So that's the thing, right? And I love what you just said. I thank you for sharing that. Really, the number one, the first thing is what we could do is like really find out where are you in your life, right? And where, mm-hmm. what is your thinking? And especially like, especially at this time, it's very hard. And what would you say to the people who are perhaps find themselves there, perhaps there, and they really, you know, like, enough is enough, they want to get out of there, like, what's the kind of easy or like a simple tip or something they can actually just do something about it right away? So the most, that's a great question. And I would say the most effective thing that is the easiest to do, and this is neuroscience, this isn't just like, you know, fancy woo-woo coachy talk. This is actual, <laughs> this is actually proven to science is that, <laughs> that and, I, and I'm perfectly, you know, I'm de- definitely guilty of coachy woo-woo talk too, because I, I, I love it. But, but if, if people are, are finding like they're not, they can't connect to that for whatever reason, it really is about gratitude. And that may sound cliche now, but it is the number one easiest way to get connected with, to be, to be present and to yeah. get connected with a more of an abundance mindset to get out of the victim thinking. I, you know what? That's so true because I remember myself also like, I don't even know how to do like gratitude journaling on something or like finding a gratitude or blessing. But, you know, when you, I think in the beginning when people trying to do it, it's like seem to be because they haven't done it as much in their life and it's so weird and awkward, uncomfortable. And also like, you know, I think that's what they find that in the beginning, I think anything we do in the, when we try to do new things, it's always going to be like a little bit of like, you know, weird or woo woo, whatever that is. Right. 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 For them. So I think they realize that, like, understand that this is also a new thing you're going to try. So so, and I, so really it's about, I mean, definitely, and it can be very, feel very awkward. It can feel out of place, but we know that the more we focus, whatever we focus on is what we experience. We know that. I mean, that's just kind of how our brain works, right? We focus on, um, we focus on, oh, I got an idea that I want uh, eggs for breakfast. And so that's, what we're going to make that happen because, oh, I want eggs for breakfast. Okay. I want to go make eggs, right? I'm, if, I make, right. if I think I want eggs for breakfast and then I'm, I'm probably, the likelihood of me going to make waffles is probably pretty slim possible but you know i'm more likely to make the eggs because i thought about it first so same goes for this gratitude practice if i think about i have i'm so grateful for this food in front of me i'm so grateful for the roof over my head i'm grateful that i have one person in this world that i love whatever it is you know listed maybe five things to start with yeah just take it turns our brain into a into a different kind of a viewfinder. It puts different glasses on us, different lenses on our on our brain. So we're okay. turning to things that make us feel good instead of make things that make us feel bad. And that's a practice. That's a, that's a practice that needs to be attended to. And, you know, it's very understandable, like, especially, like, you know, when you in this hard time and when you're feeling depressed and yeah, feeling down, you know, it's hard. But, I mean, you can still, in you know, like you can still find it, like, a blessing or this, you know, things you can find it really like it's really possible, right? So, I even think the smallest things. I remember when my, my husband first died, and I would like 
look down at the ground and I would say, oh, well, there's a dandelion there. Well, that's kind of pretty, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it's like so simple. And I could have thought, ah, oh, dandelion weed, I gotta weed the garden, I got No, I didn't do that though. I decided, you know what? That's kind of beautiful in its own little way. And it was so small. But because I was just desperate to find anything that was okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious to always know like, what would happen if you actually just kind of keep practicing it? Maybe a, a month? I don't know. Like, but just a week. I don't know. Like, what, what do you think would happen? Like, you know, in generally speaking, or what did, what did happen to you? Yeah, well, I, what happened to me was that I was able to then start believing. Once I started with the very small things, I was able to start making that my my view is a little bit larger and larger and larger and start to encompass more and more into my gratitude practice. So I was able to say, oh, because it's energy begets energy. When that, what I mean by that is that the more you do it, the more you, the easier it is to do and the more you can do it. So it's, it's just like practicing any skill. Like you practice the piano, the more you practice, the better you get, right? The more yeah. you can play. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah it really is. It, it, because the, the victim thinking is just a thought pattern. It doesn't have to belong to us. It's just a thought pattern. Yeah. It's, it's been something that we've practiced over and over and over again without really thinking about it. The, the hard part is changing the thought pattern because we're so used to being in the old pattern. Yeah. But if we can think of it as something outside of ourselves or that doesn't belong to us anymore, mm-hmm. I want a new belief about myself. My new belief is I'm smart. I'm enough. Or, I'm, enough. I'm enough. I'm lovable. I'm, I'm capable. Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. It takes nurturing and practice, and it's really as simple as writing it down over and over again, or talking to yourself over and over. I remember when I, when I decided to raise my rates as a coach, and I was really, really nervous. <laughs> that's like one it. of us. Like that's always kind of like a struggle for all of us. Totally know? right. It's like super scary. I'm, I'm, I'm not worth that. And I just, <laughs> I have a walk that I do almost every day, and I just for like over an hour, for like a week and a half or two weeks, I just said to myself over and over, I'm, I charge this much money. I charge this much money every day. Every, and I was over and over and over again. And so I, and so finally I got my brain and ready to the point where I could actually be bold enough to charge, ask somebody for that, for, for that kind of money. And by the way, I make more than that now. So I love that. OMG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so actually very inspiring to hear that. But like now, like, let's talk about also like this uh, self-worth issue. You know, I think the woman kind of naturally, we kind of like experience that somehow. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, like, I have that issue as well. Like, again, like, we are human. So we, like, I think, like, most of women are, we experience this, like, self-worth issue. So share with us, like, that's so amazing and inspiring to hear that. Like, how do you kind of, like, overcome or that challenge? Well, what you said is is really uh, key. And I think that there are so many cultural norms. And you and I come from different cultures. And yet we had this common experience, right, of women. <laughs> yep women need to be giving and selfless and put other people first and nurturing and, you know, putting our, our partners or our children or maybe everybody else first. Right. <laughs> and besides themselves, you know, well, everybody else besides ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it, it becomes this. So, so when we're starting to talk about taking care of ourselves, it's, it's a, it, it feels selfish. It feels, like we shouldn't because we're supposed to take care of everybody else and not us. Mm. And that switch from understanding that, and I'm hearing more people talk this way now, which is great. And it's still a struggle. Even if we talk about it and think about it, it's still a struggle to put into practice. Right. But 
I'm hearing more people talk about, I am starting to understand if I don't take care of myself first, and then I have no good the other people I need to take care of. Hmm. And it's a simple concept, but it's so hard to change that behavior. It's so hard because we just aren't trained up that way to put ourselves first. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I saw like a, like a post, uh, one of the coach perhaps like, being selfish is a self-love or something along the way like oh yeah well, well self-care is not selfish is it? yeah oh yeah. yeah thank you yeah well i mean i'm sure there's many different ones but that's that's sort of the idea right yeah and it's it's hard to remember that because we are so women especially not and not only women and you know the men who experience this too but we are women especially are so trained to give 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 and even reject receiving, right? No, no, I don't need it. I'm okay. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is that. the fastest way to victimhood, man. I tell you, right? You know this too from our work together, from our uh, core energy coaching. Like the more and more you give and you don't have some sort of reciprocity in your life somewhere, you will drop to that victim thinking so fast. It's the level four, right? <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Level four, go drop to like level one. Level one, absolutely. There's a, a direct connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Love it. So um, now I want to ask you about your vision. Like, you know, like I think like in the beginning of this year, people had amazing visions and now they stop. And I'm sure you keep doing it. So like, I want to know about your vision to this world and then like what keeps you still going, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, my. I'm going to call it maybe an eight year plan. So my kids are still in school. So I want to kind of wait until they're out of school. <laughs> yeah. I eventually want to start a center up here in the Hudson Valley. That is like part retreat center and part think tank where people can come from all over the world to match big resources with big ideas and solve our, our huge, our biggest problems, um, societal problems, cultural problems, environmental problems. So big ideas and big solutions. And I want it to be this amazing uh, net zero energy facility that's going to be made of all sustainable materials. And it's going to have an organic farm. It's going to have alpacas because <laughs> I love animals. And I just, I have this beautiful vision of people coming from all over the world and, and bringing their brilliance and their resources together to make the world a better place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's huge. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I really do love it. So, you know, I, I see that you're already excited about that, you know. like um, So, and that's the next question is really, how do you believe in your vision? Because, you know, oftentimes it's kind of like people freak out when they have such thing like that kind of big vision. But I also noticed that you literally like being very realistic about yourself, that your vision, like, you put it in the eight years, right? I think that makes you perhaps relax a little bit, you know? What helped you to believe in your vision? Well, there are a few things. I would say the first thing is I keep talking about it. <laughs> I, keep, I keep saying this is what I want to do. And when I'm journaling in the morning or when I'm talking to people about, you know, their dreams and they ask me about mine, I say I'm very consistent. I said, this is what this is really what I want to do. So every time I talk about it, it gets clearer and clearer in my mind and I see it more clearly. And mm -hmm. I can if I envision it in my mind, I can see it more clearly there. I can smell it. I know what it's gonna look like. Like I just have a whole experience in my mind. It's already built out in my mind. 
Mm. So that's number one. I, it's very real to me in my head. Right. Yeah. Number two is that I'm starting to connect more and more with people who get inspired by that vision too, who can get on board with me. So whether they are offering ideas, whether they're offering connections to other people who can help make that thing possible. Uh, you know, eventually I'll start looking for funding or for, for partners to help, help make it happen. And so I'm, as I talk about it now, I'm already, I'm already talking about it as if it's, a, if it's a done deal, it's already going to be, it's already planned. It's already right. I just, I don't know how it's a done deal yet, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And so with that certainty, when, when I communicate it with certainty, other people get excited about it and they're like, Oh, I see it. And then we can do this. And then, and they start to riff and, and get creative with me. Right. And it becomes more and more real every time I have a conversation. So thank you for asking. <laughs> of course. That really helps a lot, you know, uh, because that total makes sense to me as well. I think it's also going to help a lot of people as well, because like really what really helped you, it sounds like really just keep consistently talking about it consistently. Yeah. Right. So more you talk about it, it's only getting clear in your mind. So I think that's the, I really think that that's also the, the piece is missing from people as well. You know, when mm -hmm. the hard, you know, when the pandemic or the hard time comes, like, oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, they like right. really discouraged by it so fast. Don't get react on it, you know, like, so yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That's beautiful. You bet. There's, there's one thing I would like to add too is, you know, Walt Disney has this if, this uh, quote, and I'm going to paraphrase, or you know, it, but it's essentially it's if you can dream it, you can do it. And I went to Disney World a couple of years ago with my kids, and I was just looking around and realizing that like everything that is in this place, somebody thought of first, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and just like see it, like I look at like somebody thought of this computer, somebody thought of this coffee mug, and it's like oh right because it has to start here first. Everything starts here first. So why not what I want to do too? Yeah. My thought is, you know, it's as real to me as this coffee cup is because I see it so clearly. So you have to dream it first. You have to think of it first before it comes a reality. And the how it, how it comes about is not as important as the vision in the beginning, right? The how, as, as you get with it becomes more clear, as you talk to more people, you find the right partners, you find the right resources, the how starts to become more evident. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know all the answers right away. Yeah, I actually have heard that too. Like when you already know where you really want it and really believe in that vision that it will come true, like, you know, it will really come true. Like you don't have to like know everything, you know, the details. That's not, not really, yeah, necessary. You'll, you'll learn the things you need to learn when you need to learn them. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a trust that. That's so amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You just trust that each step is going to take you closer. As long as you're holding that clear vision, then you can, you can get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now I also want to kind of like, just also touch base with like uh, limiting belief. You know, I mm -hmm. think perhaps again, like, like you said, like, I mean, we are born with everything, you know, you are enough, you can have everything you wanted, but at somehow like, you know, the growing up, perhaps, Oh, we got limited, right? And we had this limiting beliefs because of the past, you know, the, mm -hmm. usually from the childhood, right? How do you like overcome your limiting beliefs? I mean, that's a tough one because sometimes, sometimes we don't even know what our limiting, limiting beliefs are, right? Sometimes we don't even recognize them as such. We just think of them as true. 
so similar to, I mean, I, I'm not enough is definitely a limiting belief. It's sort of a big, big, profound one that's kind of at the core of a lot of us, right? It could be as something as small as, you know, I want to buy that car and I can't buy that car because I don't have the money. Yeah. So, well, you can accept that you don't have the money, right? Or, and just think, take that as fact, as truth. Or you can think, okay, I don't have the money, but how can I get it? Well, maybe I need to, you know, work this many more hours. Maybe I need to save this many more months or weeks. Maybe I need to, whatever it is. The limiting belief is all about keeping us in a box. And usually, right, that comes into play somewhere because we felt safe out of the box. <laughs> we didn't feel, we said, sorry, we, didn't, we felt in danger out of the box. We felt safe if we were in the box. Yeah. So it keeps us from wanting to, to, to feel fear or not, um, not safe, right? So if we can kind of touch base with, again, recognizing that that belief might be, might be just a thought pattern that we need to change and checking in with, if I think I can't afford, and the car is a superficial example, but it's, it's you know, it's easy to understand. So that's yeah. why I'm using that example. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's really easy to just kind of give up and say, I can't afford that car. You know, I really want it, but I, I there's no way I can. That's really easy. Does it, how does that feel though? Does it feel, does that make you feel happy to give that up? Or does it make you feel a little sad? Does it make you feel angry? Right? If we're not, if it makes you feel in some way not not good about yourself, it's probably an indicator that there's something amiss there in your thinking. Mm. That's it. Our feelings are a great um, system of they're like a barometer for for our thinking, because feelings follow thoughts, whether we recognize that or not. Right? The thought happens, and then the feeling happens, and then usually the action or inaction takes place after that. Mm -hmm. So. So if it's a limiting belief that makes us feel badly about ourselves, right? We think, oh, I can't afford that, or oh, I'll never have a partner, or oh, I'll never get out of this bad money situation, and that feels terrible. That's a good indicator that that's a limiting belief. We're right. not meant to feel terrible about ourselves for the whole. We're going to have moments of up and down, but we're not meant to feel that way our whole life. We're here to create and experience joy and and to expand and to grow and so and that's when we feel good so that's a good indicator if it feels good then you're probably headed in the right direction <laughs> yeah love that thank you wow now i want to ask you about what legacy now do you want to leave this world mm, that's a great question the legacy that i want to leave is one where the people, the lives that I've touched, whether it's one life or hundreds or thousands of lives, understand that there is love and creativity and solutions. There are solutions that are available that we don't have the limits that we think we have, but really we are so much greater than we think we are. And if enough people, and that's, that's why I like working with leaders because leaders have that much more influence and they can, they can influence cultures of organizations. And if leaders are thinking that way, if they're thinking that everybody has the potential to grow, everybody has the potential to thrive. And the more we do it together, the more we all experience that growth and thriving. That's, that's the legacy that I, I want to leave is that kind of the ripple effect of the potential of love and healing and positive energy and creativity that can help us be better as a as a collective love that thank you so what do you want to offer to our audience if there's anything 
I'm sure that a yeah. lot of people are interested in talking to you, perhaps. So yeah, I would love I would love to talk to you. So I offer uh, complimentary sessions, more more like a conversation to kind of get to know each other and see if if we want to uh, move forward at all. I have a few different programs that I can offer. So if you want to visit my website, it's masteroftonecoaching.com, all spelled out. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn under my name, Merritt Minemeyer, and on social, I'm uh, at Master of One Coaching for Instagram and for Facebook. And on all those places, you can set up an appointment with me through my calendar and we can just have a chat about your dreams and how you want to leave your legacy uh, and make the world a better place in your way. Right, yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.